0: Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. Joining us now uh, for the first time, which is kind of a surprise considering, Michael Walsh from thepipeline.org. That's the-pipeline.org. And uh, Michael is here to talk to us about, oh, things Irish, things American, things uh, not going well in either places for the rule of law and liberty.
1: Michael, welcome to the show. Great to talk to you. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. You see, I put my the view from my dining room in Ireland up behind me here. So that's uh, that's lovely. what it looks like. So as soon as you uh, come over to the lovely County Clare, you'll be seeing it yourself one of these days. Ah, so I have to ask you about that. Uh,
0: are you near a gale talk area at all or, 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 or somewhat far away from it in County Clare?
1: No, no, we're pretty close. Uh, it's just up in Galway. But where I live, uh, which is on the extreme western edge of uh, County Clare, looking at the Aran Islands, you see the... The Atlantic out the window there, and then the Errands are right there. Uh, when I first went there fifty years ago, this fall, matter of fact, five oh, uh, and I reconnected the two halves of my family. Uh, there was still a lot of Irish speaking in my neighborhood, and I'm related to almost everybody in this farming area that that I live in. I rebuilt my great grandmother's birthplace, oh, nice, uh, and moved my family back and uh, raising my grandchildren. Uh, in Dublin, and they come out for the weekend. But you heard a lot of Irish, or you heard you heard the Clare accent, which was very hard to understand, and that's gradually disappearing now. Only the old timers still have that, but close enough. Now, how's your Irish studying coming? I know you were on that for a while. Uh,
0: yeah, tamhe as a stedjaer uh fós ach mo chuid na you know, well, there's a, you had a go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, you Good know, start. A, yeah. So I, but for those who don't speak Irish, I said, I'm still studying Irish, Just, but yeah. my, my portion of Irish. And, and I mean, this is the, I, this is one of the things I love about Irish is the, is the word quid or quids, which is portion. And so when you're mm. talking about collective nouns, usually, you know, at least in older usage, you would use, you know, quid. So, you know, m'quids, um, Oh, what's the word for money? I can't think of it right now, but money would be one way that you would talk about it. But you also talk about your Irish in that same way, you know, mm. Um, you know, you know, that my my Irish is a little poor, right? Um, so um, so yeah, I I love studying it. I've studied it for over 20 years. And at mm. one point I was very conversant in it. And I actually went to uh Donegal, right? And yeah. Went to a one-week immersion class. and That was five years ago. Oh, my gosh. It was so fun. It was great. I loved it. Um, and at the time, my Irish was better. And they put me in the advanced class because I, my Irish was better. And it was a real challenge, but it was a lot of fun. And, um, and you know, it's, a, it's an immersion course. So all you're doing there is speaking Irish and reorienting your brain to it. Yes. I'd love to do that again. Um, I don't know that the circumstances are are really good now for me to spend that much time away. But if I did it again, I'd do two weeks uh, because most of the cost is going and coming.
1: All right. <laughs> Luckily for me, that's not an issue. So I I, I think once I spend more time there after I maybe stop writing, which will never happen, uh, I'll just go to class. I'll go to classes in my own neighborhood. They offer them the little villages around there. So. Well, It'd you're probably fun.
0: talking about the Connemara, acts, you know, Connemara dialect too. I mean, which is closer to where you're at? Galway would be
1: more yeah, of the- it's right out. It's right out the window, basically. Yeah, those, yeah. Those the, those three islands you see belong to County Galway. Although I think Claire should declare war on Galway and take them back because we've got a better view of them than they do. So. We yeah, don't trust God. the Irish need another war. Uh, yeah, we do. We have well, at least a fight. You know, we haven't had a fight fights. for a long time.
0: Yeah, a fights, a fights, good. You know, a little a little fisticuffs in the streets might would be uh, would be okay. But well, you know uh-huh. what they
1: say in Irish in, in Ireland. You know, you walk past and you see a group of guys pounding the tar out of each other, and you tap one of them on the shoulder and you say, "Is this a private fight, or can anybody join?" In? That's <laughs> that's how you know you're really Irish. There you go. Well, I've been anyway, the whole land is in in trouble. So that's, uh, that's the thing. That's what we want to talk about, I guess. Right,
0: right, right. Yeah, we're gonna start off with that. We'll get to uh, some American politics here uh, as well. But let's start off with this. And this is, um, uh, this is a story about um, how the Irish are talking about restricting speech, um, which is, to me, ironic, considering how their own speech was restricted by their, you know, english overlords the sasana mm-hmm. um or sasani um mm-hmm. for you know oh i don't know 800 years
1: or so yeah well 700 how yeah. about how about this for a restriction you can't speak your own language how about that for a limitation on your freedom of speech they yeah. abolished our language which is why we've had this introductory conversation about it they abolished our religion they tore our houses down they set the churches on fire with people in them uh, but yeah, now we've, you know, we lived, we had 10 years of freedom and prosperity, and you'd like, a, I call Ireland now the slave state of the EU, we've rushed right back into the arms of really nasty people, and in this case, worse than the English, the the Belgians, for Christ's sake. I, I tell people, you, you you fought for 700 years to free yourself from the English, and it's like, the you know, the scene in Man for All Seasons. For Belgium? I mean, that's what you did. I love and, that thing. <laughs> oh, but the Irish people have have really uh just no men left in Ireland and that's a that's a common theme around the world. You know I wrote this book 2 years ago which was a, luckily a, a nice bestseller for me called Last Stands which was about famous last stand battles through history. Uh and it ended with my own father who just turned 97 years old talk about the unkillable Irish uh who was at the Incheon landing in Korea and at the Chosen Reservoir Battle, which is one of the most famous battles in Marine Corps history now. Right. Uh and and you know what it is that makes men want to fight to the end. And now we we've diminished masculinity so bad thanks to the feminist movement, which has just been horrendous. Bad for women, bad for men, bad for society, bad for Western civilization. Uh, that the men are are colorless and pale and wan and low T and every other nasty thing you can think to say and i'm surprised cuz i thought the irish would be a little bit more irish about this but they're rolling right over for the government of ireland which is effectively the world economic forum uh yep. dominated uh, it's it's too complicated to go into you know it's like it's like jews talking about israeli politics too irish we talking about irish politics is is even more boring if that's possible and and, and contentious <laughs> But the W, we have a, a Tschuck—that's our name of our prime minister—and uh, they've been splitting the <laughs> the two clowns. have been swapping the job back and forth for the past two years. But the main clown is Leo Varadkar, who is not even Irish. He's got an Indian father uh, and an Irish mother, and he's uh, uh, very gay and very married to an American male lawyer. And he has changed the culture radically. Uh, Ireland abolished uh, uh, the prescription against abortion just recently. That was in the Constitution, and they removed it. Uh, It approved gay marriage, and it's gone full tilt into the whole social wokeism. And now we're importing immigrants, in quotes, scare quotes, I should say, uh, like there's no tomorrow. So my little village of 500 people. Uh, It's a seasonal place. So in the summer, there's quite a lot of people that come for the famous matchmaking festival. And, you know, all this this Irish friend came in, once looked out the window and said, you know, there's six sites people come to Ireland to see and and five of them are right out your window, which is true. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we now have 900 Ukrainian uh, able-bodied males who could easily, I don't know, go back to the Ukraine, pick up a rifle and fight, but they'd rather uh have everything provided for them uh they get clothes they get cell phones they get put up in the local hotels which is killing tourism in our town because there's literally no place to stay if you want to come right it's just been taken up by ukrainians but we've had our share of uh, north africans sub-saharan africans and uh afghanis Uh and it's changed the character dublin has become a very different city dirtier more violent It's not good, and the Irish people don't like it. But the government, which is the WEF government, says, "Well, we can't do anything about it. We we must take an infinite number of refugees." And we say, "Yeah, look, there's you know it's only a place the size of Brooklyn and Queens for crying out loud." And maybe there's several hundred million people from other cultures that would like to come. He's saying there's no limit, and they say there's no limit, no limit. So this is a big movement in Ireland right now. If you go on Twitter and start to follow some of these guys, you'll see. It's tearing the country apart, and it's very sad to see. And this hate speech law is designed to keep people from talking about it. That's the main thing.
0: And that's really the main thing. And, and you know, so, I mean, the, this is not the only irony right going on right now in, in Ireland either. I mean, the other irony is, is that the Western c- country that is most associated with catastrophic famine is about to slaughter 200,000 cows. Yes. because you know uh 10 of their livestock not because they need the food but because of climate change and again this getting back to the whole wef government of ireland and i mean my my my, you know (laughs) i'm an american because of the famine right Mm. my great great grandfather came from ireland it was somewhat after the famine but that was part of the reason right there was there was, you know, even in the eighteen sixties, there was it was still difficult to get food and difficult to get, you know, work and that sort of thing. So he came oh, over right there. up
1: to the eighteen eighties and nineties, it was still difficult. There was 50 year post famine that was Ireland was very poor and and suffered much privation. Right. So I mean, to me, I mean, you see the hate speech law coming into play.
0: You see this idea that they're gonna call out 10% of their livestock. Well, at least their cattle livestock. I should be a mm-hmm. little specific here. Um, basically, to satisfy the uh, the European overlords' idea of you know Gaia worship, and I'm sorry, I don't see it as anything else other than that. It is, is. astonishing for Ireland. Yeah. Astonishing for Ireland, and I get that they got some, some pretty decent benefits from the EU, you know, over the last generation or so uh, in terms Ro- of roads
1: that's for, what we got roads or yeah. roads you know and that's okay that's not nothing but, but you know no, it's not nothing but for the roads in other words motorways between dublin and cork and dublin and waterford and galway and dublin we've we've given up sovereignty we've given up control right. over immigration uh the cattle thing hits me big because my land is cattle grazing land and the local farmers i i rented out to them so because they need a place to graze their cattle um and a, a cull of the herd for no reason whatsoever except the rankest kind of superstition is beyond insane but it's it's where we're at now in our in our culture and we see it here in america too obviously and everything that's going on uh you just wonder where does it end and what i tell people is it doesn't end it never ends uh I wrote a book five, six years ago called The Devil's Pleasure Palace, which really outlines yes. the philosophical basis of the Frankfurt School and, and how it's affected our culture. And uh, I stand by that book. Uh, it's, it's become a kind of Bible for people who make the cultural argument against uh, Frankfurt School uh, cultural Marxism. Uh, but we can't stop them. They they have to be stopped. That's the point. They won't stop themselves. We can stop them. But we right now, we don't want to.
0: No, I think that that's a good explanation of this. Now, you know, I've been engaged. I've been engaging a a site called Gript.ie, G R I P T.ie, which does great in in conservative um, politics in Ireland, which is you know almost almost not quite, but almost an oxymoron, right? Um, And um, Ben Scallon and um, and uh, Neve. Oh gosh, I can't think of her last name, but the. Two people who are who are really the the prime movers behind this. Now you know Ben.
1: Yes, I do. Yes, he's he's a very good guy. Sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I was I just I was just going to turn it over to you. You know Ben. Hmm. Tell us a little bit about about Grip and what you're working with them on.
1: He's 22, 23 years old. He's the most impressive young man of that generation I've met in well of that generation so far. Uh, Very smart, very articulate. Uh, it's interesting that he comes from a mixed background as well. His mother is from Jamaica, and his father's uh, an Irishman. And it, uh, I, I see him as a future Taoiseach. I think he's got the, you know, there's no patriot like one who has to become the patriot. It's not born into it. Uh, right. As you go through history, you notice so many leaders, for good and ill, weren't from the country they actually led. Stalin wasn't Russian. Hitler wasn't German. Churchill was half American. We forget his mother was from Baltimore, of all places. Right. Uh, uh, The Irish patriots who rose up in the 18th century were all Protestants, not Catholics. And uh, certainly Parnell was another case uh, in in the 20th, 19th, 20th centuries of a Protestant leading the revolution to help Catholics achieve uh, equality before the law. So, uh, I think Ben's got a great, great future ahead of him and I'm very proud to call him a friend.
0: Yeah, actually I've been, um, working with GRIPT or, or, or its predecessors. Um, uh, Niva Vrien is, is the, mm-hmm. uh, is the woman that I initially was in contact with when she was working on the, um, the, uh, she was at the Life Institute in Dublin, and, um, and she was the director. She might still be, I'm not sure, but I know that she's uh, you know, working with uh, GRIPT at this point in time, too. Uh, and if you're interested in Irish politics from a conservative point of view, I mean, GRIPT is a really good place to go because it's practically the only place.
1: Yeah, there's a reason for that, too, which is the Irish electoral system is very weird. It's only used uh, elsewhere in Malta. It's a little present. <laughs> The British left behind when they left for us. And it almost is constructed, it's a rank choice, multiple round thing. So they continue to count until they get the result they want, and then they stop counting. And as a result, you have two parties, Fina Gale and Fina Foyle. Who were basically the opposite sides of the treaty with Britain that made the created the Irish Free State. It goes back to De Valera and, and Michael Collins and all this. Well, they're now indistinguishable. They're all so socially leftist parties, and then the Greens have come in, and under this system they couldn't get a parliamentary majority, so they had to ask a s- tiny party, the Greens who got 6% of the vote in the last election. And the Greens now run all the important ministries. So we have uh, a Green Party guy named Damon Ryan, who's behind the basically the cattle calls and more bike lanes for Dublin. There's nothing more fun than commuting to work in the Irish winter in a rain at four o'clock in the morning or the afternoon in pitch darkness. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, our Our minister for children and youth uh is uh is homosexual oddly enough, and uh he's green too so we have uh we have a system of government that's really been seized by a minority in order to cobble together a, a majority and it's very hard for third parties to really uh, gain any traction. They have lots of them, but they're so divided that they'll never really threaten the two big parties its It's a real problem with the system of government there but uh, Gripped, who's run by uh, a guy named John McGurk. I think you probably have yes. encountered him too. Yes. Um They're they're doing their best and and trying to figure out how to work within the system in order to gain some traction for a center right party. Uh, they put up a referendum on uh, immigration the other day uh, to see what the people thought, and seventy three percent of them said stop. You know, you'll see hashtags all over the internet. Ireland is full. Uh, 73%. And then our our Taoiseach, Mr. Veradker, said, oh, well, that's the far right. Every, everybody's the far right who doesn't agree with these guys. That's the far right talking. So we're going to ignore that. So they just – they periodically have these sorts, sorts of uh, votes. But then they if they don't agree with it, they just choose to ignore it. And they've chosen to ignore the people in Ireland. I think a center-right party would do extremely well. Fita Foyle used to be sort of that. That was De Valera's party. Uh, but it's now it's the media is entirely on the side of the government they're relentlessly propagandistic to just tell a very sad story as you know i was music critic of time magazine for 20 well 16 years 25 years in the music criticism business so i listened to a lot of classical music still and the other day when i was back in ireland or home as we call it uh they played tchaikovsky symphony number no. two which is Known as the Little Russian Symphony, and I have heard this symphony many times in my life, and I'm now almost seventy-four, and I had never heard it called the Ukrainian Symphony until the other day. Oh, interesting! They've changed it because Little Russia is a Russian term for the Ukraine, because that's where Russia started, after all, you know. And uh, but so the even the music presenters have propagandized, and we're all in for Ukraine, by the way. We love Ukraine. Uh they now call that the Ukrainian Symphony. So you get a relentless barrage of propaganda. That's that's all you get. It's like listening to NPR. See, I live up here in Blue, New England, and you can listen to any radio station you want to as long as it's NPR. So <laughs> all you get is NPR. And and they are fixated on climate change, which we now at the pipeline we must put and we use it. Uh, race stuff of course gay stuff of course and now we're we're 100% in on transgenderism on NPR as far as i can tell so you know which way the wind's blowing cuz it's always blowing from one direction only uh but as npr shifts its monomaniacal focus on a few subjects you get a new one so right now the new the new kid on the block is is uh transgenderism
0: so I just, I'll tell you this story yeah. really quickly. As an aside, it doesn't really have anything to do with politics. Mm. because But because I know that you, you love classical music. Mm. You know, I grew up when I was a kid. That was my favorite kind. I loved overtures. And I would listen mm. to Tchaikovsky, Beethoven, all sorts of different things. So one night I had some insomnia. And I usually try to listen. I usually have... I can't sleep without having something going on. I'm just one of those people, right? And I just need it to distract me enough so I can turn my brain off and go to sleep. And then it's usually on for the rest of the night, right? It's just it just keeps me lulled. And I woke up in the middle of the night one night. And um, I had fallen asleep actually to a television to it like a movie channel type of thing. And I wanted to get back to the, you know, to just music. So I turn it on to the, you know, classical symphony channel on my on my cable system. And I turn the TV back off so I can listen to it on my headphones and fall asleep again. And I hear the start of something that sounds really familiar to me. And I'm thinking, is this what I think it is? I turn the television on and it's Beethoven's uh, ninth symphony. Mm -hmm. The very beginning of Beethoven's
1: ninth symphony, which is not a short piece. uh (laughs) No, it is the reason that CDs are the length they are. Right. The, yes. the Japanese made it so you could put all of Beethoven's Ninth, which they have fetishized beyond belief. They play it on New Year's Eve on one disc. That's it. That's so sorry. That's it is long. In other words. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's 70 minutes long. Yeah. And or more.
0: I stayed up or yeah, actually probably a little bit more than that. Yeah. So I stayed up for the whole 74 minutes maybe is, is what it was and listened to it because <laughs> I love that piece. Mm. It, is, it, it is, it is, it is, it is, a spiritual journey for me to listen to that piece. Just knowing, you know, the backstory of it, what Beethoven was struggling when he, you know, when he wrote it and, and and staged it and all this kind of stuff and how difficult it was to do that. I love this piece. It's it's maybe my favorite piece of classical music. Mm. So I get up the next morning and I tell my wife, Oh, you know, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. She goes, Oh, what was wrong? And I told her, she goes, What are you, an idiot? <laughs> Go listen to it some other time it's like no 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 no. this is like this is like when you hear Clapton come up on the radio when you're driving your car you have to yeah. even, if, Just, even if you're at your destination you have to stop and listen to all nine minutes of layla
1: of layla yeah <laughs> that, that that is as long as beethoven's night that's for sure it really is yeah um all right hmm. so again
0: the speech issue in ireland you know is is very acute, right? And that's one of the yeah. reasons why it's difficult to have these debates. And they're about to make it a lot more difficult than that if they succeed with this hate speech uh, legislation. But you know, we're not that far behind.
1: In the no, United- no, we're we're not. We're, I think we should emphasize this is goes beyond speech. This is the way it's proposed, and you know, there's good lawyers in Ireland. Uh, if you say anything that could upset anyone of ten protected classes and what the hell is the government doing decreeing what protected classes are now we have that here too but you can figure out what the 10 protected if they have taken any offense at anything you've said the guards that's we call cops in ireland the guardie uh can actually come to your house and go through your private possessions and your computer and see if there's anything on there that could possibly be interpreted it's an incitement to hate, and then you're in trouble. Now that's gone beyond anything we could possibly imagine, and it's so ridiculous that everyone says, "Well, surely they don't—they're not really going to do that, are they?" But you know, with what we've learned from our own country, is it can go from a Republican democracy to a fascist dictatorship in oh, I don't know, overnight, like yesterday, when they arrested the former president of the United States and the leading candidate to replace the current vegetable uh for basically <laughs> no reason whatsoever
0: yeah well you know i would have i would treat this more seriously if they had treated the, the same the same exact issues with hillary clinton more seriously Yeah,
1: but it's different it's it's okay when we do it it's not okay when you do it that's right that's how they th- all leftists think that way you know that yes Lord, I, I was I, I spent the years 85 to 91 in Eastern Europe and Russia. So I was there when the wall came down. In fact, I'm in my office here now and I have some lovely pieces of the Berlin Wall that I oh, chucked nice. out myself. Uh, I've got some uniforms of the former Grand uh, I've got all kinds of things. And I was in Russia when Chernobyl blew up and I, hey, yes, sir, I'm Mr. Excitement wherever I go. Uh, and I left two weeks before the coup against Gorbachev. So. I was in and out, in and out. I went through Checkpoint Charlie a million times. And I've seen what socialism and communism does, and I've seen what it does to people. I can tell you by the smell of the country, if I'm in a socialist country or not, they have a particular odor that is indescribable. Uh, Do we really want that in the United States? And we've moved so fast in that direction. Well, you know, once the Democrats installed their empty suit, then the hidden forces behind those guys could... Just go to town. And I've been posting on Twitter the most dangerous man in America right now is Merrick Garland. He is the perfect apparatchik, smiling, avuncular. He's sort of like an upper West Side intellectual, soothing voice. But he is absolutely a holy terror on our side. And he won't stop. He won't stop. And they won't stop. And that's really important to get through to our. American brothers. Is, the left cannot stop because it defines itself by critical theory, which means the destruction of everything that's between you and your fantasy of a perfect society. There is no endpoint for them. And that's what we're facing. That is what we're facing. Well, Michael, you know, we we've, we've been, we're probably about at the end of this here,
0: but I want to give you some opportunities to tell people where they can find you. The dash pipeline org. No, sure. Is certainly one of those but you know on twitter and, and anything else that you happen to be doing tell us a little bit about your books so that we can get uh our viewers a chance to uh to check you out more thoroughly
1: sure well uh i'm back on twitter now i was an, i got kicked off twitter before trump got kicked off twitter i'm very proud of that but <laughs> i've been i've been restored so just look up michael walsh and you'll see i'll hold it up here my avatar is let's see here this book against the great reset which was published last fall uh i go by the amanuensis that's the, that's the name i've chosen on twitter but it's my name um let's see i've got uh a new book coming out next year which is a sequel to last Stands. it's about more more battles uh that changed history military stuff um what else uh i'm on facebook so just look me up there This. You know, Michael Walsh is a pretty rare name. You go into any (laughs) Irish graveyard, you see your own tube every every time you turn around. But you'll find me on Facebook and and Twitter and on the bestseller list occasionally. And also, I wrote Disney's enormous hit movie from 2002. It was called Cadet Kelly, uh, which was the highest rated show in the history of the Disney Channel at the time and the highest rated original movie at the time. So. You nice. can find that on Netflix and wherever else you look up movies. Good movie for kids. It's meant to be a kids movie, and it succeeded very handsomely.
0: Kids movie as of 2002.
1: Yeah, Disney yeah. Kid movies, Disney kid movies these days not not so much. No, it's a it's a movie about a girl who joins military school. Now they'd all be in tutus. So, but uh, in those days they actually wore uniforms. Oh, there you go. All right. Well,
0: Michael Walsh, I don't know why it took us this long to do this. I don't know.
1: I, that's, it's my fault and i blame you totally Ed, totally that's right yeah but just blame me
0: just laying no, on the only it really
1: just is. just to mention this the only time we met ever was at cpac in 2010 and that evening i had a huge heart attack and wound up in the hospital for a week in washington and because I had just started Breitbart's big journalism site, That's right, so you, yes, yeah, you were yeah. you were there with Andrew and me, and a lot of you know all this, a lot of guys have died from that original crew. But so the just the the meeting with you had just shook me to my core. <laughs> and but Michael now never I'm wants to be in the same room with me ever again, and isn't no. Room. I'm 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 scared. I don't even I don't go to CPAC, Too many bad memories. But but let's do it again real soon. I think that'd be fun. You know, and and you know, I'm doing the uh, I'm doing a uh,
0: partnership with Adam Baldwin on uh, uh, on uh, podcasting, too. So uh, another big Hollywood.
1: Oh, uh, well, Adam published Against the Great Reset, this book. Okay. Yep. And he, I hope that he'll be publishing our next Against book. So I, I can tell you that that is now in the works. It'll be something that you hate and can really cheer hating it. So it'll be the second against book and it'll be out next year just before the election. All right. Well, that sounds great too. All right. Well, Mm -hmm. Michael Walsh, thanks so much. It's a blast. I promise
0: to Mm -hmm. stay at least a continent away from you uh, for the foreseeable future. (laughs) So be well and
1: uh, come back soon. Thank you so much, Ed. I appreciate this.